Welcome to the Christ the King podcast. I am Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church, and we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, coming to you this, the 6th of April, as we look to celebrate this, the Wednesday Vespers of Judica, that is the Wednesday Vespers of the fifth week of Lent. And tonight we wrap up our series on the Apostles' Creed, which was called from Steadfast Lutherans, created to be redeemed and sanctified. And so tonight we wrap up our series by looking at the third article of the Creed and all the ways that the Holy Spirit forgives our sins in the church and how he makes us holy. Now, if you're new to our podcast, we want you to know that as we continue into Holy Week this Sunday, there will be no intro and there will be no outro to the podcast to keep with the solemnity of Holy Week. So it will begin just as it does on the bulletin, which will be attached to the services, and it will end just with the closing hymn of each service. So if there's no intro and outro, that's why. But for now, let's turn to our service, our Vesper service, with the opening hymn.
Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise to thee, O Christ, King of eternal glory. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken, and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come, and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very temptuous around about him. He shall call to the heavens from above, and to the earth, that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings, to have been continually before me. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he-goats out of thy folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. But unto the wicked God saith, What hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? Seeing thou hatest instruction, and casteth my words behind thee, when thou sawest a thief, then thou contestest with him, and hast been partaker with adulterers. Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sittest and speakest against thy brother, thou slanderest thine own mother's son. These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such an one as thyself. But I will reprove thee, and set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. The epistle for this fifth and final midweek Lenten series on the Creed is written in the second chapter of Acts, beginning at the twenty-second verse. Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved by God to you by mighty works and wonders and signs, which God did by him among you, even as you yourselves know, him 
being delivered up by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by the hand of lawless men, crucified and killed, whom God raised up, having freed him from the agony of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh also will dwell in hope, because you will not leave my soul in Hades. Neither will you allow your Holy One to see decay. You made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full in gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may tell you freely of the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne, he, foreseeing this, spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul wasn't left in Hades, and his flesh didn't see decay. This Jesus God raised up, to which we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted by the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, which you now see and hear. For David didn't ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit by my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Let all the house of Israel therefore know certainly that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord God will call to himself. With many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. There were added that day about 3,000 souls. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and prayer. Fear came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and distributed them to all according as anyone had need. Day by day, continuing steadfastly with one accord in the temple and breaking bread at home, they took their food with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. The Lord added to the assembly day by day those who were being saved. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The Apostles' Creed, the Third Article what is the third article? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. What does this mean? I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength 
believe in Jesus Christ my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, and sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth, and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead, and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the 17th chapter. Jesus said these things, then lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, even so I have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Not for these only do I pray, but for those also who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you and me, that they may be perfected into one, that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, that they may see my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world hasn't known you, but I knew you, and these knew that you sent me. I made known to them your name, and will make it known, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was delivered up to death, that he might quicken his people. In Salem also is his tabernacle, and his dwelling place in Zion. He was delivered up to death, that he might quicken his people. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was delivered up to death, that he might quicken his people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There are three articles of the Creed confessing each person of the one Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Spirit. Now Luther notes how there are many spirits, and indeed there are. There are spirits of men, since we're created body and soul. There are evil demonic spirits. Around the throne of God in heaven, there are also the angelic spirits. But tonight, we focus on the Holy Spirit. And what makes this Holy Spirit? What makes him different from the other spirits besides being the third person of the Trinity? Well, the answer to that is simple. Just look at his name. He is the Holy Spirit. That is, he is the only spirit which can make others holy because he is God. 
Another way to say that is, he is the only spirit who sanctifies. So as we catechize our catechumens, one of the questions we teach them to answer is simply this. How does the Holy Spirit sanctify me? Now we know that the Father creates, and the Son, by accepting and taking his lordship with his death, he redeems. But how does the Holy Spirit sanctify, make holy? The answer is simple. The Holy Spirit sanctifies you by leading you into the Holy Catholic Church. Catholic being the eternal church of all times and places, not what Rome calls themselves. So the Holy Spirit sanctifies you by leading you into the one Holy Catholic Church. And then, when he has brought you into his church, the Spirit preserves you in the church by his preaching, by bringing you to Christ through the Word. Now, in the second article about the Son, our Redeemer. We confess that Jesus became our Lord and Redeemer by his death and his resurrection. But that event, as it happened in time and space, happened 2,000 years ago. How many of you that are born in the 20th or 21st centuries, how are you supposed to come to an event that happened long, long, long before your lifetimes? What's to keep that one man who died on the cross What's to keep him from being lost in the dustbin of history? How can you, a sinner, access such a holy event when as a sinner you're blind and can't see it? It's hidden from us. Well, here's how we access the cross or come to the cross or receive the riches of the cross. By the Holy Spirit who reveals the cross to you by the preaching of the word. The preaching of the word by which the Spirit leads you to your Lord, to your Redeemer. And also when we catechize our catechumens, we also teach them to answer this. What does this third article mean? The answer is simple. The third article means the Holy Spirit sanctifies me and makes me holy. He sanctifies me through every work that we confess in this third article. He sanctifies me through the holy, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church and the communion of saints. He makes me holy by the forgiveness of sins and by the resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting. But let's here take a step back. Because what do we mean when we confess one holy Catholic and apostolic church? Which we also say is the communion of saints. The church itself is wherever the Spirit bears witness concerning Christ. Just as Christ is the way, the truth, and the life to the Father, the only way to the Father, so also there is only one Catholic church, small c, Catholic church. And that one church is one church because it is the only church sanctified by the Spirit. The church is sanctified because this is the only place where the Spirit proclaims the Word of God. Because this is the Spirit who spoke by the prophets to Old Testament Israel about the promise of Christ and so made them holy. And it's the same Spirit who speaks by the apostles proclaiming the fulfillment of the Old Testament to the New Testament Israel, the church. And there gives the precious gifts of the New Testament to us in the New Testament church. That is why we call the church the apostolic church. The apostles were the eyewitnesses of Christ, 
eyewitnesses of his life and miracles and ministry on earth, eyewitnesses of his death and resurrection and ascension. As eyewitnesses, they are those chosen and sent by Christ himself with a special office of the apostles, with a special authority to preach what they witnessed, and that what they witnessed was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. We're given the apostolic tradition that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that you may have eternal life. So then we confess the Holy Catholic Church of the apostolic tradition. Now, don't be afraid of that word tradition, because it doesn't mean that we follow a pope or a magisterium. Far from that. And this also means that we do not reject tradition. Indeed, we cling to this apostolic tradition that which was handed down to us by the apostles in the New Testament. That's what tradition means, the handing down of something. And that is what the New Testament is. The New Testament is the written apostolic tradition. The only apostolic tradition is that which is written. Written by the authority of the apostles themselves and handed down to us that we may believe. The apostles have long since died, but we have their tradition in the New Testament. The New Testament is the tradition of the apostles. And pastors and congregations that are true to Christ are to remain within this apostolic tradition. That is, they are to remain within the scriptures. All other traditions of the church are just that. They're churchly traditions that came after the apostles died. Church traditions, as they point us to Christ, are all well and good and decent for good order. We practice them. But church traditions are secondary to the words of the apostles given to us in the New Testament, in the apostolic tradition. That is why the apostles writing the New Testament is why we confess the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Because the church is built on Christ. And on Christ is built the apostles, and on the apostles is built the church. And by this church, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. For here, the Holy Spirit, speaking by the prophets and the apostles, bears witness concerning Christ. It's all about Christ. And this church is also your mother. That's what we're confessing here, that the church is your mother. For by the Spirit and the Word and the water, she gave birth to you in the font. So you are no longer flesh of flesh, but spirit of spirit. For just as you could not enter your family at home by your own works, you were born into your family, you didn't do anything to do that, so you cannot enter into the church by your own works. You are born into the church by spirit and water. That is why we confess together, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. You had to be born into the church. You had to be brought to Christ. Something you could not do in and of yourself. In fact, on our own, we would be like those Jews in our lesson from Acts this evening. Those Jews who were cut to the heart at the realization of their sin. And the only thing they could do was ask, helplessly ask, Brothers, what shall we do? If we were left on our own with our sin, that's what we would have to ask. Brothers, what shall we do? There's an utter despair in us who have not and cannot come to Christ by ourselves. In that question is an utter despair of someone who realizes there's nothing that they can really do, but they're begging and seeking away. 
I noticed, noticed Peter's answer to their question. Repent and be baptized. Be baptized. Peter's not saying they have to do anything outside of repent. Repentance just makes us ready for baptism. Be baptized are passive words. That's saying, let this happen to you. Meaning, baptism is not our work. Rather, Peter is saying this. He's saying, repent of your sin. Let the Spirit by the law lead you to repent of your sin. And then, let the hands of the Lord through the pastor baptize you by the Spirit, water, and word. So you may receive the forgiveness of sins from the cross. So that you may be born anew. So that you may be sanctified. Having now God as your father and the church as your mother since you were born into God's family. It's all passive. Be baptized means it's not your work. It's the spirits and Christ's. For by the water and the word we are born into the church. We are called by the gospel. We are enlightened by the word. Baptism and forgiveness, all of it enlightens us and sanctifies us. And those are what keep us in the one true faith. This is what the Spirit does for you. This is the Spirit's work. This is what the Spirit does for all in the church. So we see Christ's prayer answered in baptism here, in repenting and being baptized. We see Christ's prayer answered when he prays to the Father, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. In the church, we have been sanctified in the truth, in the word. We are sanctified, made holy by what the Spirit does in the church that he brings us into. And we confess that in the church, this is what the Spirit does. The forgiveness of sins. And in the Nicene Creed, we're even more specific when we say there is one baptism for the remission of sins. And so here we see that the Nicene Creed quite nicely answers this question. The question of how or where does the Holy Spirit forgive sins in the church? Well, here's the answer. In baptism, where there is one baptism, one Lord, one God, one faith, one church, we do not have our own baptism. There aren't several baptisms, nor do we need to be baptized multiple times. For just as Christ died only once and was raised only once for our once-for-all atonement, so there also is one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. A baptism in which we are all baptized, just one baptism. A baptism in which we share with Christ, who is baptized with and for us as well. The Holy Spirit exercises this baptism in confession and absolution. So after we're baptized, our, we exercise our faith, our baptism in confession and absolution, where the Spirit also forgives our sins. This is why you shouldn't be afraid to come to confession and absolution, whether privately or corporately here together with the church. Nor should we be tempted to downplay how significant a gift confession and absolution is. Because when we come to confession, we step into our baptism. And as we step into our baptism, there the Holy Spirit cleanses and forgives us. He cleans our feet so our conscience is cleansed of any guilt. The Holy Spirit forgives sins by preaching and catechesis, where our faith always increases every time you come to church. And you hear preaching. Every time 
The catechumens come to class and are catechized. Every time you come to Bible study and hear the word of God, there your faith increases because there your sins are forgiven by the Spirit. The Spirit also forgives sins in the sacrament of the altar. Here in church, he brings you to the rail right before the altar, and there he brings you the body and blood of our Lord to receive. Think of what he's bringing you. The Spirit is bringing you the flesh and blood conceived in the Virgin Mary, born of the Virgin, which suffered and died on the cross, which rose again, the flesh and blood which ascended into heaven, the flesh and blood which sits at the right hand of the Father. That flesh and blood is what the Spirit brings to you at the altar every Sunday and sometimes more often. And as you partake, as you eat and drink, your sins are forgiven, your faith is nourished. And it happens all your life, even up to the point where you are on your deathbed. Even there, the Spirit can absolve, preach, and give the sacrament. That is, the Spirit, even on your deathbed, will forgive your sins there as well. Cleanse you, wash your feet to the very last day. Consider and meditate upon all of this. Outside the church, there are people that baptize, but with a different baptism. And no baptism outside the church sanctifies. Outside the church, there are some that may say that they, they absolve you. But no absolution truly frees and makes holy outside the church because it doesn't come from Christ. Outside the church, there, there is preaching. Preaching on the thoughts and myths of men. There is catechesis outside the church as well. Catechesis to all sort of other religions, philosophies, and ideologies. Outside the church, there are even other communal meals. But none of those sanctify. Because none of those have the true Christ. Outside the church, there are many spirits. Outside the church, people will say that they're spiritual, even not religious. We're spiritual. That's fine. There's plenty of spirits out there. But none of those spirits can make you holy outside the church. And our Lord says as much when he says from our gospel lesson, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Neither the world nor the spirits of this world know the Father or the Son or the Holy Spirit because they reject the Spirit. When they reject the Word of God, they reject the Spirit. But you know the Father and you know the Son because you have received the Spirit and the Spirit has made you holy. The forgiveness of the Spirit is seen and given only in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, so that only in the church is anyone made holy by the Spirit. Again, look at our lesson from Acts. There in Acts are those baptized and born into the church, and see what they do. Look at what those do that are baptized into the church. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. That means they devote themselves to the New Testament and Old Testament scriptures and the preaching of the Spirit. They devote themselves to the fellowship. That is, they devote themselves to gathering around the word and sacraments every Sunday, if not sometimes every day. 
They devote themselves to the breaking of the bread. That is, they commune together as one church in one faith in one Christ. They devote themselves to prayers, which means they devote themselves to worshiping as one baptized people of God in the divine service. That is, the Holy Spirit made them holy. And beyond the day of their baptism, he kept them holy together in their baptism, in their one baptism, in the one true faith. When they were baptized, from then on, he daily and richly forgave their sins and the sins of all believers. And so we see the prayer of our Lord fulfilled in Acts, just as we see it fulfilled among us here today. And the prayer of our Lord that is fulfilled is this. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they, that is the baptized, may also be in us. And again later, he prays, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. We see that in Acts, perfectly one. That perfect oneness is seen in Acts in their gladness, in their simplicity of heart, in their having all things in common so nobody had any need of body or soul. May we in our oneness also show such love and care towards one another in our church and our church body. And then finally, We confess that the Holy Spirit makes us holy in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, or as the Nicene Creed says, I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. You see, while we are in this life, the flesh of the old Adam is always around and about our necks. Our flesh is always sinful, always tempting us, because in this life we are never finished mortifying the flesh in repentance, and the Spirit is never finished drowning the old Adam in the waters of baptism. And so that is why Luther says in the large catechism, he says this, the third article of the creed, must always be and remain in use. For we have already received creation. Redemption, too, is finished. But the Holy Spirit carries on his work without ceasing to the last day. For that purpose, he has appointed a congregation, that is, the church upon earth, by which he speaks and does everything. For he has not yet brought together all his Christian church, or granted all forgiveness. When he has done it all, and we abide in this, and die to the world and to all evil, he then will may finally make us perfectly and forever holy. Even now we expect this in faith through the word, so says Luther. What Luther is saying is, is that the Holy Spirit's work of forgiving our sins is not finished until our sinful flesh is mortified completely, completely dead once and for all. And our sinful flesh is not mortified in this way until we are placed six feet in the ground. In baptism, we are justified once and for all. We are forgiven our sins throughout all our lives as we live in our baptism. And in baptism, the Holy Spirit makes us holy. That sanctification, which is a process that continues until our death. Yet there will be a day when the Holy Spirit's work is finished, when our baptism will be completed, 
when the feast will no longer be for our salvation, but for our eternal joy together with and in Christ. When the Spirit raises our bodies from the cold dirt, when we are raised with Christ to be just as He is now in glory, when we are raised as one church triumphant and enter together into the world to come, then the Spirit's work will be finished and fulfilled. And even as we await for His work to be finished and fulfilled, even as we await for the resurrection, the resurrection is all the same, ours even right now. And we know this because our Lord has risen. He rose on Easter Day, which we prepared to celebrate here in just mere days. So then, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Creator, the Redeemer, the Sanctifier, here in the Creed is revealed to us the entire divine essence, the entire will and work of God. And notice how in the Apostles' Creed every single verb is driven by God alone. None of the other verbs belong to anyone else. None of the verbs belong to us, which shows us that our entire salvation is from God alone. The faith created in us is from God alone. This creed is the one true faith. This creed is what divides us Christians from all others. For those who confess this faith, they are in the church and salvation is theirs. Whoever does not confess this faith, they are outside the faith. They are anathema. Condemnation awaits them on the last day. But to them we say, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You shall enter the church then. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I said, O Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. O Lord, save our rulers. Let the king hear us when we call. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. Remember thy congregation, 
which thou hast purchased of old. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. Let us pray for our absent brethren. O thou, our God, save thy servants that trust in thee. Let us pray for the brokenhearted and the captives. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Send him help from the sanctuary, and strengthen them out of Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Turn us again, O God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Arise, O Christ, for our help, and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. O Holy Spirit, we cannot by our own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ our Lord or come to him. Call us to faith in Jesus by the gospel. Enlighten us every day with your gifts of baptism, absolution, and the Lord's Supper. And sanctify and keep us and the whole Christian church on earth with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. Forgive us our sins every day and give us the blessed hope of the resurrection to eternal life. Amen. 
Sanctify this fast, O God of mercy, that thereby your faithful people may see more clearly their need for your forgiveness and graciously accord a favorable hearing when they call upon you. We beseech you, Almighty God, mercifully look upon your people, that by your great goodness they may be governed and preserved evermore, both in body and soul. Almighty and everlasting God, who hates nothing that you have created and forgives the sins of all those who are penitent, create in making us new and contrite hearts that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of you, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Give peace in our days, O Lord, because there is none other that fighteth for us except thou, our God. O Lord, let there be peace in thy strength and abundance in thy towers. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness. Through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast so graciously protected us this day, and we beseech thee to forgive us all our sins and the wrong which we have done, and by thy great mercy defend us from all the perils and dangers of this night. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
we're very glad you can join us for our midweek Lenten Vespers throughout Lent here. And you can join us again this Sunday and every day of Holy Week for either Vespers podcasts or Matins podcast coming on Easter Day to celebrate Holy Week with us in your devotional life. We encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church or CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, tell a friend, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for the podcast or want to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook or at the email addresses listed at the top of the bulletin. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.